I'm going to go back to Ottawa now, though, where um, retired Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour delivered that indictment today of the Canadian Armed Forces' resistance to change over sexual assault matters. She's making 48 recommendations, saying it's long past time for the military to scrap traditions and structures that perpetuate a sexualized culture. Uh, as we mentioned in the last half hour, Defence Minister Anita Anand says her department is moving quickly on 17 of the recommendations. Um She's also said one of the things that she pointed out that was really interesting today, uh, Justice Arbour, was this idea of changing the military um, education structure. Uh, General Wayne Eyre, the chief of the defense staff, was also there today. And he's only saying, he was noncommittal about this one, only saying the military will study all of Arbour's recommendations, including around education. We absolutely have to embrace that recommendation to take a look. Do we have the model right for uh, uh for Kingston and for St. Jean, or is there another model that would better serve us? And, and so the intent is absolutely, absolutely aligned with what the minister said. We are going to study the recommendation. Now, to be specific, the recommendation was to scrap Canada's military colleges and find a new way of doing it properly, to change the culture, in other words, and to change it right off the bat. Now, Arbor's is only the latest uh, criticism of the armed forces and its leadership for failing to act on hundreds of previous recommendations from outside sources designed to address problems with sexual assault within its military, within its culture even. Uh, and joining me now to talk about this one, because the question really is now, will this one be the difference? Because there have been many in the past where we saw days like today, days full of, you know, uh, people in power up front saying, this is it. This is the last one. This is the one that's going to change everything. We're going to turn this ship around at long last. Charlotte Duvel-Lantoine is Ottawa Operations Manager and a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. She took part in consultations with Louise Arbour for this report back in the fall of 2021, and she joins me from Ottawa. Thanks so much for your time tonight. My pleasure to be here. So uh, what were those consultations like, just out of curiosity, with, uh, with uh, Madam Justice Retired, Madam Justice Louise Arbour? Uh, so I I attended one, uh, and it was um, a small roundtable where we just discussed uh, what was on my mind, but also on the mind of the other people with me in that roundtable, and uh, based on an agenda that the, the justice uh, gave us. Because you do get the impression from looking at the report that she's gone, she went to a, a great length to hear from people in this one. This wasn't just about talking to the military command. She really wanted to hear from a lot of different people about what the problem was and how to fix it. Yes. So her mandate was kind of extensive in the first place. And so that really allowed her to go um, beyond the military to really look at this problem. And also what we saw with the 2021 scandals is that you you have a lot of experts and survivors and survivor groups that, that took part in that public conversation around sexual misconduct. So it would have been, I believe, a strategic error to not engage more deeply with um, that community for the simple reason that the media is doing a great job, but it's not the same thing as having a sit-down conversation with those type of people and actually think about potential solutions. Right, I guess, and the really important difference with the media and this is in this one, she gets to hear from a bunch of people for a very long time and then gets to put it all together in a 400-page report as opposed to something much shorter. What did you think of the report, Charlotte? What, what was your reaction when you saw it? I think that um, the that report is fascinating, and I have to say that I feel 
kind of good about myself because it, it kind of supports uh, some of my own research fi- findings. Um, but I would advise people actually to, the recommendations are very interesting, and I think that they provide uh, a good roadmap for the military to get on with it and get started in the process. But I find that the report is very interesting in its language, in its criticism of the military, and its historical overview of what the problem is. It's very thorough, and I mean, you you can be very thorough with 520 pages, but I haven't read it all just yet. I'm I'm not even at half of it, and it's already extremely thorough. So at least read the introduction to have even more context to those recommendations because on their own they do not necessarily make sense. But you see in, in the report you really hear, read someone that, that has spent a lot of time thinking about this. So where were you, where were you impressed by what you were reading and what was it? What was it that stood out for you? Um, I think that what stood out for me and, and it's something that I, that I saw in the previous uh, report, the, the report on racism and discrimination that, that came out last month is that it seems right now that we're establishing ourselves or the, the people who are writing reports on what's going on in the military are really being very conscious of the history in which they they find themselves. And they're very conscious about the fact that it's another report. They're going to add recommendations to a very long list of recommendations that have yet to be implemented. And so you see a reflection of that in that report and in those recommendations. I think that Arbor went more to the process of what didn't we talk about or both that and what uh, from the additional report needs to be re-emphasized. I think that it, it is clear from the press conference that Arbor saw herself as a successor of Deschamps and not someone to refute her arguments. Yeah, tell me about that, because obviously each one of these uh, reports builds on all the work that's already been done to some extent. So where did you see a uh, new language building on the Deschamps report, which was, I guess, from about seven years ago now? I mean, it's simple. The the first four recommendations really build on that. So in in the if you read just the list of recommendations, it's not as visible. But if you read the report, she says. So uh, uh, Marie Deschamps didn't really um, like uh, the way that the military was defining sexual misconduct because it led to a lot of confusion and ambiguity. And um, Justice Arbor follows up on that and is like, and was saying, okay, you need better definitions and this is how you're going to do it. Instead of having sexual misconduct, for example, you're going to define sexual assault very clearly. You're going to define sexual harassment very clearly. And you're going to define very quickly, uh, very clearly what uh, inappropriate interpersonal relationships are. And you're going to go from there. And and it's from that conclusion that Deschamps did, that, that Arbor piled on and be like, okay, I'm going to give you an example of what it should look like. And then it's up to, to the military, as you mentioned earlier, to, to follow through on that. 
I guess defining those parameters was very important because part of the problem was that ambiguity all along. Um, what about the idea of moving, um, I know because this is something that was being built on as well, the idea of moving all these cases, all sexual misconduct cases um, to, or at least the criminal ones, to criminal courts, to civilian courts rather, out of the military's hands. So I think it's going to do, do one uh, important thing is that it's going to remove the influence of the chain of command uh, on uh, on the ability of someone to to like put forward a complaint um, because this is one of the the big issues. That being said, um, I want to see what it does in the long term because before 1998. It was the civilian courts that were responsible for prosecuting, um, investigating, and prosecuting um, sexual assaults in the military. But then we still had a scandal about what was happening to victims of sexual assault in the military uh, in 1998, and this is why the military took over the jurisdiction. So um, Justice Arbor thinks that it was not justified, and you need to look deeply at the historical reason for what why they did that and and in hindsight sometimes it doesn't really make sense but we still had a scandal while civilian authorities were responsible for uh, investigating and prosecuting so we'll need to see what happens in the long run it might help because uh, maybe police services are now better trained and better resourced than than 24 years ago I'm speaking with Charlotte Duval-Antoine. She's the Ottawa Operations Manager and a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Took part in consultations with Justice Arbour for this report that was released today, this 400-plus page report on sexual misconduct in the Canadian military, a long-awaited one. Uh, 48 recommendations in all uh, in this one. Uh, the Defence Minister has already said that she will act uh, quickly on uh, several of them and study the other ones. They've accepted the report in full. Uh, the military too there today voicing its support. But again, the question here, what makes this one different from previous ones? And we'll talk more about that after this. This was certainly a big day for all those watching uh, the sexual misconduct crisis. It's been called an existential crisis within the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, for retired uh, Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour today released a 400 plus page report, 48 recommendations dealing with this issue. It's of course not the first report on this far from it. Uh, she was scathing in her criticism of the military's inability to handle this issue over the many, many years and over the many reports. Uh, I'm speaking with Charlotte Duval-Antoine. She's the Ottawa Operations Manager and a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute in Ottawa about uh, the implications of this report and just how it may be different from the ones in the past. Uh, Charlotte, I'm sure you watched parts of the press conference today. Uh, Wayne Eyre, the Chief of the Defence Staff, was there. Mm -hmm. So was Anita Anand. Uh, did you like what they had to say? Did you get the impression that, uh, that this time in May, in fact, be different? just from how their reaction to it? The, the way that they addressed it was way more encouraging than what I've seen in the past. Uh, with reports, uh, they seem to be committed. They seem to uh, be listening uh, to what Arbor was saying because even during the press conference, she was not very kind to the military, and rightfully so. Um, and so we, we see a way that they were expressing their commitment that, that felt a little bit more personal than just, we're going to accept the recommendations in principle, and then we'll figure it out. That being said, we had the FISH report last year um, that came out. We don't really know what's happening in terms of implementation. 
We don't really know what's going on with the report that came out uh, last month on racism and discrimination. I am assuming that the Arbor report is going to take precedence because uh, the chief professional conduct and culture has put in place a body uh, that will look closely at those recommendations. And there's going to be an agency within the vice chief of the defense staff's office that will look at those uh, recommendations as well. So we see at a high level um, people who will make decisions over those recommendations. But the problem with the military most of the time, it's not the short-term efforts. Is to make sure that they, those efforts, um, as Arbor said, are properly focused, but it's also that they stand the test of time. Because what the military tends to do is put a lot of efforts very, very, very quickly, and then it dies down, or it goes down the chain of command, and, and there's not a lot of follow-through. How much of a crisis, I mean, for those of us who don't spend time in Ottawa, uh, mm-hmm. the sheer number of high-ranking members of the Canadian forces from chiefs of defense staff, no less, who've been embroiled in this. How much of a crisis is the military under right now? And how important is it to fix this, this one? I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to be tough. Uh, on, I mean, it's just not, it's there. They struggle with this issue and have struggled with this issue for years now. For decades. I, I was not even born when they started, uh, having issues about with this. Um, I, it's, it's hard, um, because I, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second. That's all right. Not at all. I mean, I, I'm just asking you a bit, maybe, maybe a more specific question. What will you be looking for in the next little while to see if in fact, this is the one that's not going to sit on the shelf? There's some stuff that are easy to put in place. For example, first recommendation uh, Louise Arbor is asking the military to get rid of uh, the policy that outlines sexual misconduct, what sexual misconduct is, and instead of having a more precise and more targeted definition of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and personal relationships. That one is easy to put in place. You just do it. It doesn't take that much um, reflection because she already wrote that for the military. So it could take a couple of months to do. Right. Um, and, and seeing like those uh, things trickling in and, and then um, having the external monitoring uh, person that um, Arbor mentioned that that is being put in place to oversee and, and constant communication from the from the defense team, um, because it's something that we we kind of have seen with Operation Honor. We were kind of left to figure out what was going on at the time. Uh, here we really need more proactive um, engagement, not necessarily with people like me, um, because like I do not have that much of a skin in the game, but mm-hmm. particularly with people who have lived experience of sexual assault, sexual harassment, or other forms of misconduct in the military, because trust has been broken at a profound level. And what is at play here is the legitimacy of the military altogether. So if so we, we're still at this place of like we don't know if things are going to happen. But the military needs to realize of the potential consequences of not doing it. And it's gonna make the crisis that they're facing right now even worse. 
and, and to go back to pre- your previous question, because I like remembered what I wanted to say, is that I, in my book, I argue that, and I wrote this before um, the 2021 scandals. I, I believed in 2019 that the military was not out of a decade of darkness when it came to um, problems of misconduct. And I think that now we're at an even more, uh, at an even deeper crisis than the decade of darkness because what happened in the decade of darkness never really affected recruitment as much as what we're seeing right now is doing. Yeah, I I just have about a minute left, uh, Charlotte, but I guess the big, the big question here is that we need to make the military attractive for people of all, from all parts of the country, from all shapes mm-hmm. and sizes, genders and so on, to want to come and join. And right now it looks like it, all eyes are on this to see if there's going to be a change. Absolutely. And, but, but, you know, it's like, it's about recruitment. It's about retention. It's about also how do we want our armed forces to do the best work that they can do. Right. And if there is not a conducive uh, environment to do that, they're not going to do their job properly. And, and you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, to, to you, you have a chicken and egg situation in that way. Like, to what extent, like, some of the problems within the military is because there's a high level of job dissatisfaction and, uh, and morale, and whether this is a cause of misconduct or misconduct causes those problems. And there's a vicious cycle. And because of that, yeah, we're not going to be, the military will not going to be able to, to attract uh, young people with more liberal and uh, progressive values that are more embracing of diversity. And, and that is, is a big problem because it's losing a lot of talent. Charlotte Duval-Antoine, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a good night.